Chapter 16 of Hunting Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jadopi. Hunting Dogs by Oliver Hartley. Chapter 16 Ailments of the Dog. Dogs, as well as people, sometimes fall ill. Proper care and sanitary lodgings will reduce the danger, but sickness will occasionally occur no matter how great the precautions. Dog owners should therefore acquaint themselves with the commoner forms of ailment to which dogs are subject, and thus be in a position to quickly administer such relief as is possible, thereby frequently stopping a sick spell promptly that might otherwise result seriously if not fatally. The dog is very similar to man in his ailments, as well as in his susceptibility to drugs. As a general thing, medicine that is good for a human being is good for a dog, under certain circumstances. While no definite rule can be laid down, says an eminent authority, it may be said that a dose suitable for an adult person is correct for the largest dogs, such as St. Bernard's, for dogs from 40 to 50 pounds, the dose should correspond with that given to a child 12 to 14 years of age, and so on down. Few veterinarians make a study of the dog, and they rarely are of any use when called. However, those who have made a special study may be consulted with advantage and saving. We have not the space here to go into an exhaustive recitation of dog diseases, symptoms, treatment, and remedies, if you are at a loss concerning your dog, write to one of the dog doctors whose advertisements appear in sporting magazines, and he can no doubt diagnose the case and forward the medicine you require at a minimum cost. In nearly all cases he will forward you a free booklet describing the prevalent diseases and his remedies applicable to same. The following from the pen of H. Clay Glover, V.S., will no doubt give many readers some light on one of the common afflictions that prove so troublesome. INGESTION IN DOGS Eczema is a frequent symptom, and let me state right here that I find more cases of eczematous eruptions arising from a disordered condition of the digestion than any other cause. Doubtless many who will read this will recognize the fact that at some time some certain dog has had some obstinate skin trouble all kinds of which are by the layman diagnosed as mange, and that, after trying various mange cures to which the trouble has not yielded, the blood has been treated with no better results. To any one who have, or may have in the future, indigestion cases, let me advise the following treatment, viz. Feed rather sparingly three times a day on raw or scraped beef this being the most readily accepted and most easily digested of all foods when the digestion is disordered, allowing no other diet, and giving immediately after each meal one of the digestive pills. Add to the drinking water lime water in the proportion of one to thirty. By following this treatment as laid down, many cases of eczema will disappear, some probably may be accelerated by the use of a skin lotion in conjunction. Eczema in these cases is merely a symptom appearing in evidence of disordered digestion. Indigestion may be considered as a mild form of gastritis, which if not corrected 
will be followed by true gastritis, the stomach then being in such condition that nothing is retained, even water being returned immediately after drinking. This will be accompanied by fever, colic, emaciation, and only too often followed by death. Distemper. We quote further from Dr. Glover's booklet some practical information on another of the more common dog ailments. The term distemper is particularly applied to animals of the brute creation, to the dog when afflicted with that disease somewhat resembling typhus fever in the human race. We have now become quite familiar with the nature of the disease and the remedies indicated. Consequently, the loss by death is comparatively small when proper treatment and attention are employed. In early days, those dogs that were fortunate enough to survive this disease did so merely through strength of constitution, and not from the assistance of any remedial agent, as utter ignorance of the subject then prevailed. The disease doubtless then appeared in a much milder form than that which our present highly bred animals are afflicted. Owing to more or less inbreeding that has been indulged in to intensify certain forms and characteristics in dogs of most all breeds, constitution has to some extent been sacrificed. Animals bred in this way are in consequence less able to resist or combat disease than those with less pretentious claims to family distinction. Causes Bad sanitary conditions crowded or poorly drained kennels, exposure to dampness, insufficient or overfeeding, improper diet, lack of fresh air and exercise, all conduce to the development of distemper. It is contagious, infectious, and will frequently appear spontaneously without any apparent cause in certain localities, assuming an epidemic form. Age is no exemption from distemper, though it more frequently attacks young animals than adults. Very few dogs pass through life without having it at some period. Symptoms In early stages, dullness, loss of appetite, sneezing, chills, fever, undue moisture of the nose, congestion of the eyes, nausea, a gagging cough accompanied by the act of vomition, though rarely anything is voided, if anything, it will be a little mucus. Thirst, a desire to lie in a warm place, and rapid emaciation. This is quickly followed by mucorpulent discharge from the eyes and nose, later, perhaps, ulceration of either eyes or eyelids, labored respiration, constipation, or obstinate diarrhea, usually the latter, which frequently runs into inflammation of the bowels. In some cases, many of the above symptoms will be absent, the bowels being the first parts attacked. The following, which sometimes but not necessarily occurs with distemper, I classify as complications, viz. fits, chorea, paralysis, pneumonia or bronchopneumonia, jaundice, and inflammation of the bowels, and will require treatment independent of any one remedy that may be given. Treatment. The animal should be placed in warm, dry quarters, and hygienic conditions strictly observed. With puppies, at the start, give vermifuge, as nearly all have worms which add greatly to the irritation of stomach, 
bowels, and nervous system. The bedding should be changed daily and the apartment disinfected twice a week. Feed frequently on easily digested, nutritious diet, such as beef tea or mutton broth, thickened with rice. Let all food be slightly cool, and keep fresh cold water at all times within reach of the animal. If constipation be present, give warm water and glycerin enemas, and an occasional dose of castor oil if necessary. Should the bowels become too much relaxed with any tendency to inflammation, Feed entirely upon food such as arrowroot, farina, or cornstarch with well-boiled milk, as even beef tea is somewhat of an irritation to the stomach and bowels. In the treatment of distemper, one great object is to keep up the general strength, so in case of extreme debility, a little whiskey and milk or milk punches may be allowed. If your efforts are not successful and you are in danger of losing one or more good dogs, write a specialist. It would require fifty pages of this book to go into the subject fully. Rheumatism Acute rheumatism in the dog is similar to that in the human body, affecting the joints. Muscular rheumatism settles in the muscles. If given early, five to fifteen grains, twice a day, of salicate of sodium is a most excellent preventative measure. A severe case demands more elaborate care. Rickets. Those accustomed to dogs have seen cases of rickets. It is a constitutional or inherited affliction, and attacks puppies most frequently. Nothing can be done save kill the sufferer if the attack is severe, or build up the health generally toward outgrowing the trouble if mild. These are only a few of the ailments the faithful dog is heir to, yet in a general way a healthy dog is no more subject to disease than a healthy person, and in many cases the old family watchdog will pass a long and useful life with no more serious trouble than he can readily cope with, with the assistance of nature. We add some practical advice from Mr. Amor Braley of Dade County, Florida as to what will cure canker in the ears of dogs, a prevalent and aggravating trouble. We'll say I have cured cases of it of long standing by working boracic acid well into their ears. Usually a few applications does the work. There is a disease that kills more dogs in Florida than all the other causes put together. It is called sore mouth, black tongue, new disease, and other names. I lost some fine hounds of this disease, usually dying from six to eight days from the time of showing disease. Symptoms of it are generally languor, dullness about the eyes, little or no appetite, sometimes feverish, and a dryness about the mouth, and at other times slobbers hanging down from the mouth. They seem anxious to drink water, but are unable to swallow it. Their tongues seem to be somewhat paralyzed. They can hardly pick up anything. They usually want to roam around where they will not be molested. I will give a remedy that I have, which has cured several cases of this disease, with the only ones I ever knew to survive it. I will give it, for it may be the means of saving the lives of some good dogs. A gelatin-coated pill or capsule of quinine containing five grains twice a day for two days then one each day for a week. Also swab out their mouth with the following. Chlorate potassium half ounce, 
Mervate tincture iron half ounce. Put into one pint of water and shake well. Tie rag or cotton to stick, letting it protrude over the end, and swab out the mouth two or three times a day. You want to go right at once to giving the remedy, for if the disease runs thirty-six hours, I don't think there is any cure for it. The size doses mentioned here are for good-sized dogs, as grown hounds. Smaller ones and pups reduce accordingly. There is another disease that dogs are sometimes taken with in this country. Some say it is caused by ticks. It is called staggers, as the dog that is affected with it staggers as he walks. It seems as though they can't manage their hind parts. Sometimes they break down and have to drag their hind parts, sled fashion. A remedy that I have never known to fail yet for that is lard and spirits of turpentine, about equal parts, mixed and bathe in well across the kidneys and also across the back of head where it joins to neck. Usually two or three applications makes a cure. End of chapter 16 Recording by Jadopi, www.jadopi.wordpress.com.